Hello friends and welcome to another episode of It's Not All Rainbows. I'm your host, Lindsay Goodman. I'm a certified trauma recovery coach and I'm also a survivor of abuse in a queer relationship. I'm here to help validate and support those who are or have been in my shoes and to help spread awareness of what these kinds of relationships can look like. Today I'm going to talk to you about some hoovering tactics and in doing so I'm going to give you actual examples that might be used. I'll be reading texts, um, reading off some screenshots that I have, of course, without getting too personal or too much, you know, detail about names and things like that. Um, so before we begin, uh, let's see, struggles and successes. A struggle, uh, I guess, again, is going to be just that I haven't been sleeping well. Uh, but other than that, I'm doing pretty well. I'm uh, just waking up a lot, having trouble falling asleep. Um, kind of try, I'm trying to read before bed to make it so that I'm like not scrolling through my phone. Cause I know that that is like, a um, not very helpful way to try to fall asleep. So I'm trying to read more. I'm getting a lot more reading in. Um, but yeah, sleep is so important, especially when we're healing from abuse. I mean, across the board, sleep is important, but when we're trying to heal our brains and our bodies and things like that, we got to get that sleep. And being able to sleep as a survivor is just this like golden like world that's very hard to get to. And I've gone through phases where I have slept really well. And right now I'm in an extended period of just not being able to sleep. So yeah. Um, and then a success is going to be, um, oh no, God, I was just going to say it. Oh, I'm reading more. And um, I've always been like an avid reader. I love reading. Um, I love learning and I, throughout the two and a half years that I was with my abuser. And then even last year, I had a really hard time reading. I go through these phases, which of course is perfectly normal, whether you've been abused or not, where it's harder to pick up a book, either you don't have the time or your brain is just like not allowing it, especially because we have so many other things like competing for our attention nowadays. Um, but lately I've been really, really into reading. Um, and, uh, I upped my reading goal last year. I set my reading goal. I use Goodreads, um, to 12 books. I was like, you can read one book a month. You can do this. Um, and I ended up reading 19. So this year, my goal is 20 books. Um, I know this isn't like a reading podcast, but I like to come to you as like a person who has other interests and I don't just talk about abuse. So I'm just hoping that, you know, like y'all, when you hear me talk about these random things, you're like, why is she talking about books? But I also want you to get to know me and like, who am I? Who's this person that's like sharing all this information with you? So yeah, 20 books this year. Hopefully I'm already two books in two and a half. So, uh, we'll see about that. If you're watching this on YouTube and you want to tell me what book you're reading right now, do that. And if it sounds good, I'll put it on my list. <laughs> all right, let's dive in. I have all the screenshots on my phone. Uh, I just went through and gathered them all up so I wouldn't have to search for them while I'm talking. Um, but I'm just going to go ahead and read some examples of hovering that I experienced. And these are all going to be examples, um, of after I left, because while I was in it, I either, um, lost a lot of messages from like, you know, obviously a year ago, two years ago. Um, or I just wasn't thinking to take screenshots when I was being hoovered back into a relationship that I hadn't officially left yet. Right. Cause a lot of times, um, we're trying to get out, we're making steps towards leaving and they'll do some sort of hoovering tactic. And we ended up staying in the relationship. We don't, make it out the door or maybe we do, but then we come back, all of that stuff. Right. Um, ooh, have I done an episode about reverse hoovering? Because if not, I'm going to write that down because I did experience reverse hoovering. And that's really important to talk about because 
Um, it's like, it's another very covert tactic. Uh, Lee Hammock is actually the one who taught me about that. Cause I was like, I, uh, when I left Lee Hammock at mental illness, when I left my abuser, I, it took me a couple of months. Like I would pull up, um, his Calendly or whatever he uses and like, get ready to click. And I was like, no, I think I'm okay. No, I have some, I had some questions and it is really nice to be able to talk to someone who's like, kind of has a similar mindset as your abuser. Um, and he did, he taught me about reverse hoovering and I did experience quite a bit of that. So I would like to share that with all of you if I have not done so. Sometimes I forget what I've already talked about, but, um, on that note, I know a lot of you, um, a lot of you, like when you make an appointment with me for one-on-one coaching, you'll tell me the same thing where you'll go to my website, you'll pick a time, you'll be like, all right, it's time. And then you back out. And I just want you to know that that's totally normal because we're still sort of like, whether we're in it or not, we're still sort of like self gaslighting where we're like, I don't really think, do I need that? Um, am I okay? Am I, is it as bad as I think it was? And we're just still kind of in this fog, but whether you, um, have gotten to the click or not, you know, whether you ever do, that's okay. You're normal. It's normal to feel so confused right now. I did the same thing. If you do, I will be here for you when you're ready. All right. So this is going to be hoovering example number one. So this is me. Um, I'm staying at my son's dad's house, which is where I am now. Uh, he was gone at the time. He was at a work training for three months. So at the time that I was leaving my abuser before, um, during, uh, it was after we broke up, he left, but we were still living together. And when he left, things were, let's just say calm, uh, at least for all intents and purposes, like from the outside world, um, things seemed like it was okay. He left. And when I was physically leaving, um, he was gone, but I came to stay here. Obviously I had a key to the house. Uh, my son and I were here. And of course that wasn't good enough because they knew where I lived. They had a key. They could just like, you know, I didn't realize they had a key at the time until they ended up like leaving the key. They came to my house in like February and like dropped the key off on the porch and like put it in a place where I would like obviously see that they had left a key. That was definitely like that was definitely a Hoover because it was like, oh, she's going to see this key. She's going to text me and be like, thanks for the key. Or, um, you know, I don't know, something, whatever. I didn't, I just was like, that's really creepy. Um, but anyway, so I had, I was staying here and, um, they texted me, are you working from home? I was going to get breakfast. And I was like, yeah, super busy day. Um, and I did say, what are you getting? I don't know, at the muffin store, seeing if they have breakfast sandwiches and a muffin. What do you want? I'll bring it over. No, it's okay. Not hungry. Thanks though. Bagel with cream cheese? No, thank you. Do you care if I come by? I have to work. Will you have a break? Why do you want to come? To see if you'll eat. And I don't know, seemed like not a bad idea. I'm here. And Pip and I come in because at the time I hadn't taken the dog yet. So this is, is an example, like I'm out of the house. My son is out of the house. Some of my stuff, like some essentials, clothing, things like that are out of the house. Um, and they're texting me under the guise of being caring, wanting to bring me food, wanting to check in with me. Right. And this is one of the things that's really hard with hoovering is because from the outside looking in, or when you're in it, this looks like a caring person. I'm stopping at the store. Do you want some food? But really this is, I don't have access to you. I'm going to try to come up with something to get access to you so that I can come into your home. I'll give you a muffin or a bagel with cream cheese. And then, you know, if you try to kick me out, I'll start an argument and then we'll be in this argument for eight hours, but at least I have you. Um, so this is definitely something that we don't want to fall for in this exact moment. Yes, I did let them in. I did let them in. 
was trying to remember if I did or didn't. Obviously, that time is kind of a blur in some ways, but also like some other ways very vivid, which I'm sure a lot of you can relate to. I did let them in. My son was at school, um, and then they probably left when I went to go pick up my son. I don't remember all of that. Um, I do remember that after I left um, and I was here for, it was either one week or two weeks. I probably should look that up so I can like have it clear when I'm telling you this story. Um, I did see them. I allowed them to come um, after they broke into my house one morning. Um, so when times like this, when they would do these hoovering tactics or they would just show up, I allowed them to come in, but not when my son was around. So they would either come when he was asleep or when he was at school, because after that morning that they broke in and like beelined it to him, which I have talked about before, um, I realized that he was going to be the target for them getting us to go back home and that they were going to use him as a pawn. Like it just like, it was very obvious. And that's when I called my mom. I was like, I need to come back. I need to, she was like, you need to come home immediately. He's not safe. Who knows what they could do? Like if they get a hold of him without you, like, will they take, it was a very scary time. And I downplayed it a lot as a lot of survivors do. Um, but it, during that time, again, if my son was sleeping or my son was like, I don't think I let, I really let him see them maybe one more time after that. But after that sort of walking in the back door, when I was letting the dogs out without my permission, I was just like, okay, you can come at night, we'll watch a movie, then you can go. And of course, again, it was always like a fight uh, to get them out of the house, but I don't recommend that. Um, again, I was sort of trying to buy, buy some time before my flight that I knew was coming up and just try to keep us safe and not have them fly into a panic and do some of the things that they, the behaviors that they had been showing to where I was like, I'm going to need to call the police. Okay. Next example. Again, I do not recommend giving into any hoovering tactics. And this is why I'm sharing these with you. Um, I did. I did a lot of this on my own. I didn't fully understand what was going on. Although at that point I had already been listening to Lee Hammock's podcast, uh, The Narcissist Code. And so I had a lot more information than a lot of us do at these times. But again, I was just kind of like making it up as I went, uh, knew that I needed to protect us, knew that things weren't good, knew that they were abusive. Um, although I don't think I was using the word abuse at that time. I was just like, this person isn't safe. I didn't really understand that. <clears throat> um, Next example. So they're asking me what I'm going to do with my son when I get back from Indiana. At this point in time, they thought that I was just going to be gone for a little bit and, you know, a couple of weeks or so. And then I would come back that we would still live in the house together and uh, that they, that, you know, they would still have me. They'd still have my son. We would still be on the lease together, that they would still have all this. They didn't realize that I had my passports, but I wasn't coming back. I wasn't going to come back until, I mean, I ended up staying gone for three months and I was gone um, a whole entire month after they had returned the key to the landlord and the landlord told me they were out, <clears throat> but they're asking me about him. And they say, I was like, um, you know, we'll figure it out. I was, this was before I went no contact, of course. And I'm just being like sort of noncommittal because I know I'm not coming back. They don't, we'll figure it out when the, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. Okay. It's going to be hard for you to work if I don't help out. That's a Hoover. That's a, it's also some kind of gaslighting. It's, well, you need me. So, you know, come on back. I'll take care of the kid. Um, you know, you'll remember I'm hoovering you back. You'll remember how much I've quote unquote helped you and you'll be back. Didn't work. This is an example of this one's like, so this person never talked to me like this. Um, never. I mean, I'm going to say never, I mean, rarely would get vulnerable or seemingly vulnerable with me. And at one point it was after we broke up, I had been in Indiana, came back for a little bit. This was before, I wish these were in order, but this was, 
I went to visit my family to like see how I felt without them, see if my nervous system would calm down, to see if I felt like I could survive without them, which last week I talked about this letter that I wrote them where I was like, I can't survive without you. Um, came back and I believe we were in Washington for like two weeks or so before things hit the fan and I had to literally flee. Um, but I met up with a friend and all of a sudden they're really vulnerable and it says, I don't want you to respond to this right now, so please don't. I don't even know if I want you to respond at all. I want to get it off my chest, that's all. You might not see it, but I'm struggling more than I have in a while. I'm sad all the time. I don't know if it's just about us or a combination of things. I'm trying to figure that part out. I feel like a little kid again, trying not to get hurt and surviving through life the best I can. I could really use a friend right now, but I don't have any. I was hoping it might, could be you, but I understand if it cannot. Just read and store it away for later. I want you to enjoy your friend. I wanted to say it because I didn't, if I didn't, I'd just lock it away. So this is a really good example because like here I am with my friend and now they're distracting me from my friend using vulnerability. This is like super covert y'all. Um, and I can remember at the time, oh, I wish I could see. So this was in September. So I don't know if I could scroll back enough, but I responded while I was with my friend. I was like, oh, thank you. I don't remember exactly what I said, but like, you know, I responded. The Hoover worked because now I'm like, oh my gosh, this person's struggling. They want me to be their friend. I'm going to be there for them. But there's a lot in here of like, um, I mean, it's, it's, I need your empathy. I'm going to play on your empathy. You know, while you're out with your friend, I'm going to distract you from them. So you're not having fun because you're worried about me. I'm going to play this whole, like, please don't respond. You don't have to respond because I know you will because I'm being so humble and I'm trying not to take up your time and your space and your energy, but like, please, you know, several times they're like, please just, please just respond later. Um, you know, I could use a friend. I was hoping it could be you. I feel like a kid again. I'm just trying to survive. You know, I need help. I don't know if it's about us. It could be about us. I don't know. So this is, this is an example of that covert, this emo, this is emotional manipulation, you know, we are broken up. You're out trying to um, nurture this friendship, this fairly new friendship that I know that you have. I've met this person. And, you know, when you come home, like, hopefully you'll feel sorry for me and we'll have this conversation and we'll be, um, maybe we'll be friends. Maybe you'll forget that you're trying to break up with me a month ago. You know, from the time that we broke up, from the day that we broke up in August, because a lot of times in these abusive relationships, there's lots of we're done. There's lots of I'm getting out of here and it doesn't happen, right? Um, I stopped sleeping in the room with them. I stopped saying I loved you. I told them to stop saying I love you. Um, we stopped touching, touching, we stopped kissing, all that stuff. However, it was still very much like they would still say things like we didn't break up. I didn't mean it. You know, you're punishing me. You're doing all this stuff, which again is gaslighting. <laughs> A lot of gaslighting here. Um, but yeah, perfect example of that. Come on back home. I'm being so kind. I'm being so vulnerable. Then we have the... Now I've got no contact. Okay. So we're going to fast forward a little bit. I'm sure I have more examples, but these are just the ones. This is sufficient, right? Now I have no contact. At this point, I'm in Europe with my son. Um, the landlord knows I'm not coming back. My sister knows I'm not going back. They've started to reach out to flying monkeys, which I have a whole episode about. Um, I did it early last year, um, where they're starting to get information from other people that's not working so far. Other people are also saying, I don't know. I haven't heard from her. I don't know exactly what she's doing. Let you know if I hear from her, sort of trying to keep the abuser at bay because they know what's happening. They know that this person is just trying to get information or trying to get through to me through other people. 
And so I start getting emails because again, they're still in our house and, um, we're on this lease together and I'm just communicating through the landlord. Landlord doesn't tell them anything. And so finally, when they realize they're not getting information from my sister, from the landlord, they start reaching out just via email. Can you tell me when you're coming back? So I know when I need to be moved out by now, this is very tempting to respond to. Um, and some of y'all, you know, if you're in physical danger, of course, I was on another continent. Um, if you're in physical danger or if, I mean, I, there was a very real risk that they would damage the property that I was at, that they would damage my things, but I was taking that risk. I was taking the financial risk that I would have to do, you know, something when I got back or that all my stuff would be burnt or thrown out or something like that. But at this point, when your survival, when your physical well-being is in danger and that of your child, just get away, right? Just like get somewhere safe. And if it's not like, I remember looking at this and being like, do I have to tell them this? No, I didn't. The landlord had the information. So the landlord was like, rent is paid up until this moment. This is when you need to get out by it. They had that information from the landlord. So I didn't have to respond again. Very tempting. This is a situation that many of you are, or have been in. I've had clients say, well, they're on the phone bill. So I need to tell them that I'm going to get them off the phone bill. I said, absolutely. You do not. You're paying it cut them off. If you are not in physical danger, you've already given them three extra months of being on the phone bill. Just shut the phone bill off. It's them trying to get you to respond to them. If they're saying, Hey, am I still on the phone bill? Hey, are you going to, it's just, they're trying to get you to respond. I did not respond. So I got another email. Do you want the desk or the record player stand? We split both. So I figured we would each get one or the other. If you don't respond, I'll just take the blah, 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 leave the desk, take the record player. Again, Okay, so she didn't respond to the timeline. She didn't tell me when she's coming home. So I'm going to start asking her about stuff. And I'm going to try to see if there's anything that she cares about enough to respond to, right? Um, I do know that I had several emails like that. Are you doing this or that? Just randomly, like once a week, are you going to take this or do you want me to leave that? If you don't respond, which again is just like, why wouldn't you respond? Be reasonable, just reach out, you know, stuff like that. Um, it's all just like trying different angles, trying different tactics um to get you to respond here's another one um i'm leaving all the furniture except the bed i don't know to the couch blah blah blah. i'll also get the rug out of the garage because there's whatever or can't get the rug out i don't want to leave this stuff for you to figure out how to get rid of so let me know if you have a solution again i'm reaching out to you i'm trying to make your life better i'm trying to help you um because i'm leaving first i know this is gonna be hard for you when you come back um respond to me Okay. And again, it's tempting to respond. And I know these are very specific examples and you might be like, well, my reason's not emailing me about furniture, but I want you to be able to see how subtle this is and how it looks like from the outside. Like the same thing that you would text a roommate. If y'all were moving out, you're at work and she's backing and she's like, which of us bought this lamp? I know we went to Goodwill together and we got, um, you know, silverware and stuff like that. How do you, do you want to divide it? Are you okay with getting new stuff? Do you want me to? That seems like something really normal. So you want to respond, but in reality, it's hoovering. It's just trying to get you back into a conversation, right? None of this was essential. They could take what they wanted and leave what they wanted, right? They figured it out because I never responded. Um, they, you know, they took what they wanted to take. They left what they wanted to leave. And that was that. Lastly, the emails have stopped. Um, I get an email that, or a text that says, I'll be out of the house on the 27th or else you won't have time to move your stuff out. Still just seeming like I'm really caring about you. I'm caring about, you know, what you're doing, when you're going to get back and all that stuff. No response. January, 2022. I don't want to be, they, they've, they've realized that I'm, I'm back 
in Washington and I get a text that says, I don't want to be the reason you can't go to the gym. If we could talk, maybe we could figure something out. Now this one's more obvious. You know, I'm, I'm going to be the, the bigger person. We both went to this gym. We met at this gym. I know that you were still going there and you know, you can take your kid, you can take your dog. That's great. You probably still want to go, right? Come talk to me. Talk to me. I'll be the bigger person. Let's talk. Mega Hoover. Y'all, there's nothing that they could say to me or vice versa that would be worth responding to them and having a conversation with them, period. I stopped going to that gym. I stopped talking to anyone who goes to that gym. I figured out my own fitness. Now I do pole dancing and boxing. I don't do CrossFit anymore. To be honest with you, I think that that whole environment is, can be really toxic. I'm sure there's some great gyms out there that don't have that kind of environment, but that whole gym was supporting an abusive person. And they knew that that person was abusive and they didn't care. So on that note, it's not worth it. The gym's not worth it. Your gym membership, your phone bill, none of it is worth responding. Do what you have to do to cut ties and try to find as many ways as possible to not respond to them. I did not. And it worked. Last one. This is in April. Just drove past you. It's at coffee shop. I think had to be because there was a dog hanging out the window, just like Pip would always do. Your son's dad. So that his name drove past me today too. Weird day. Hope you're well. So at that point, they weren't inviting me to respond. They weren't saying, I hope you can, you know, let's talk or anything like that. But they were still doing this like nostalgic, oh man, I saw the dog. I saw your son's dad, the whole family I saw in the cars today. Drove past you. What, what was that ending? Hope you're well. Hope you're well, right? Hope you're well. Hoovering, y'all, hoovering. So the thing is that, I hope that you don't have these messages on your phone. I hope that you don't have these screenshots because I did not block them on email or text because I didn't know that I could for the very beginning. And also I had this feeling that I needed to know if they were trying to get a hold of me up until I got back here and all my stuff was out of the house. I needed to know what was going on because what if they ruined my stuff or, you know, for a short time they had my dogs. Um, I need to know. I need to know if they're reaching out to me. I need to know if I'm safe. You really don't. If you are physically safe from them, you don't need to know if they're trying to get a hold of you. It's just going to cause you distress. It's going to keep fueling the trauma bond. It's going to make it much harder for you to break the trauma bond and recover from the abuse that they have been putting you through. So don't be like me. Again, um, these last couple episodes, I've been making an example of myself and being like, don't do this. Please don't do that. Um, block them as soon as it is safe to do so. Some people will say, of course, if you have a no contact order um, and then you can use that contact to um, show the police that they're still contacting you, breaking the no contact order, then maybe don't block them because then maybe that helps your case even more. Um, if you don't have a no contact order, then there's really no reason to need to have evidence for the police or anything like that. Um, especially if you are far away, maybe you're with your family now, maybe you're in another state, they're probably not going to show up at your house, things like that. Just block them for your mental health, for your peace. So you don't have a phone full of screenshots so that you can share to other people what covert abuse can look like. Um, I hope that helps. Again, I know that some of that was like really specific, but I just really wanted you to see the ways that they were, you know, trying different tactics, getting me to, <clears throat> to respond or, you know, Hey, are you hungry? No. Um, no, I'm busy. Okay. Well, I'm coming over anyway. Just disregarding your boundary, ignoring the fact that you are clearly ignoring them. Of course, if you, if you are ignoring them versus like, you know, not responding versus, um, <clears throat> blocking, 
they still know that you're getting those messages. I don't know how, how it, what it looks like when you're blocked. I don't know if it's like you can't contact this person or if they think it went through. I don't know, but they're still going to keep trying. They're still going to be like, well, at least, you know, got your red receipts on. Well, she read it. Well, okay, well, that's not working. I'm going to try Instagram. I'm going to try, oh, she unblocked me there. Or she doesn't have me blocked there. I'm going to try this. They're going to find all these different ways to try to get through too. So just block them. Nothing is worth. There's nothing that you have to read from them that's worth your mental health being still in trouble, um, feeling that trauma bond. It is not worth it. So again, I hope that helped. I hope it helped you to see how subtle it can be and how manipulative it is. It's not genuine. It's not caring because I see a lot. I have a lot of clients who are trying to get out but are stuck and they will say things like that. Well, this bad thing happened, but then they did this. It's hoovering. It's breadcrumbing. It's, it's, a, it's all tactics. It's all part of the game. So keep that in mind. Um, that's all I have for now. This one went a little bit longer than I thought it was. I've been trying to keep these a little bit shorter and more digestible, but, um, on that note, if you are struggling, if you're still being hoovered, if you just can't hit that block button and you need some help, I do offer one-on-one -on -one coaching, um, trauma recovery coaching. You can go to my website, lindsaygoodman.com, click on the coaching link. You can book with me through that. If you are queer and you're a survivor of abuse and you would like to join my um, support group for survivors of uh, queer survivors of abuse with Trey De La Torre, he's I was like yo underscore Trey on social media. Um, it's one Saturday a month, twenty dollars, super affordable. So if you or someone you know could benefit from that support group, um, check that out. The link is in both of our uh, bios as well. If not, uh, please rate, review, subscribe. Um, if you like this episode, whether you're on the podcast or YouTube, your interaction with my content really helps get this into the ears of the people who need it the most. And that just means so much to me. If you leave me a review on podcasts, I do read all of them and I just really appreciate them. Um, yeah, that's all. Please do something nice for yourself. Drink some water, take care of yourselves, and I will see you all next week.